Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Friday. It's October 29. I'm Tom Tilly, joined by Jan Fran. Hey, Jan. Hello, Tom. And hey, before we kick off today's show... We actually want to hear from you guys. The briefing is a year and a half old, still a baby, and we're kind of wanting to know, what do you like about the show? What sort of stories do you want us to do more of? Do you come for the briefing topic or do you come for the headlines? Is it a daily habit for you? We've developed a bit of a survey. If you've got some time to fill it out, we'd love you to. Where can people find the survey, Tom? Yeah, jump into our Instagram bio and there is a link there to a survey. It's only going to be up for a few days, so... We need to hear from you quickly. So, um, yeah, we can make these decisions about how we move forward with the briefing. What I'm really interested in is, do you like listening to this on a daily basis? So do the headlines work for you? Is it really good getting that little snapshot of the big stories of the day before we dive deeper into the topics? Or do you actually go through your phone and only jump in when you see a topic that really works for you? So they're the sort of questions we want to ask so that we can keep improving this little baby, Jan, as you rightly call it. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of this little baby, on today's episode of The Little Baby, the controversy (laughs) over Dave Chappelle's Netflix comedy special, The Closer. What you're hearing there is the sound of Netflix employees protesting the special on the streets of LA. They say it features transphobic material. In our country, you can shoot and kill a but you better not hurt a gay person's feelings. That was a snippet there from The Closer. Now, Netflix has stood by its decision to air the special. Its CEO, Ted Sarandos, said that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real-world harm, and he also named the other shows that Netflix has produced that promote inclusivity and diversity, including Sex Education, Orange is the New Black... And also name-checked Aussie comedian Hannah Gatsby. Who was not happy about having her name used in that list to defend Dave Chappelle's special. She hit back at Sarandos in an Instagram post saying, you don't pay me nearly enough to deal with the real-world consequences of the hate speech dog-whistling you refuse to acknowledge, Ted. F you and your amoral algorithm cult. I do shits with more backbone than you. Oof. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, not missing there. The thing is that Dave Chappelle then hit back at Hannah Gatsby in a stand-up show that he did, saying that he'd be happy to meet with the trans community, but one of the conditions was... You must admit that Hannah Gatsby is not funny. So, how did it come to this, and where will this all go? First, here are today's headlines. Well, Facebook has been threatening to rebrand for a wee while now and as of today, it is happening. So wait for it. Facebook is now Meta. I am proud to announce that starting today, our company is now Meta. Now we have a new North Star to help bring the metaverse to life. Wow, this is serious. It sounds kind of like something out of a spoof, but this is legitimate. That's Mark Zuckerberg just announcing they've rebranded to Meta. Um, The existing social media platforms, including Facebook, will retain their names. What he's talking about here is making the company something more than a social media company. He's talking about a bigger digital reality, um, a metaverse that brings together social media, virtual reality, commerce, cryptocurrencies. 
Yeah, because that's just what we need. Facebook to expand and get even bigger. <laughs> um, it's a move that, you know, apparently is supposed to appeal to young people, which the Facebook platform uh, doesn't seem to be doing anymore. Young people are deserting that in droves. Um, and it's also, you know, it comes at a time where Facebook has been dogged by a lot of issues around misinformation, around, you know, the protection of children. So it seems that this, this rebrand might, you know, they might want it to help them get them around their corporate issues. Yeah, look, I know it sounds kind of out there and a bit sci-fi, but I think um, Zuckerberg, for all his faults, is a real visionary. And this statement, however vague and slightly ridiculous, I think is where the internet is going, this almost breaking down the line between um, reality and augmented and virtual reality and the way we interact with people, no matter where they are, that evolution has already been sped up during the pandemic where video calls and all those sorts of online communications have evolved quite quickly. So I think this is a really interesting statement to watch and a sign of where we're going in the way we connect online. The New South Wales Corruption Inquiry into Gladys Berejiklian's former relationship is reaching a dramatic climax. Today, the former Premier herself will take the stand. So yesterday in the hearing, her former boyfriend and former Wagga MP, Daryl Maguire, took questions and we heard several tapped phone calls between the pair, um, including this one from 2018, where the then Premier said she'd throw money at Maguire's Wagga electorate um, and this was after she'd been forced to sack him because of a separate corruption inquiry. You just need to know what the right things are to throw money at Wagga. And you I need... already know. You've already told me the three top things. And I you need know. to in, and go and give them a stadium. I'll do that too. Don't worry. Well, the bureaucrats knocked it all out. Yes, but I can overrule them. Well, in case you missed any of that, he says to her, you need to know what the right things are to throw money at Wagga. And she says, I already know and that she can overrule bureaucrats that knock back um, any funding deals. In Maguire's evidence, he also acknowledged that the pair had been in love, that they had considered getting married and having a child together. Yeah, Berejiklian's legal team wanted Maguire's evidence withheld from the public, but the request was denied because it goes to the heart of whether or not she should have declared this private relationship. Now, in the two weeks of hearings, three current and former MPs have said that she should have declared that relationship and in yesterday's evidence, we really got a sense of the impact of that secret relationship on funding decisions. Yeah, and Daryl Maguire's recount of their relationship is completely different to what Gladys said. She said she didn't declare it because it wasn't a relationship of note. Mm. And yet Daryl Maguire is talking about being in love with the Premier and potentially discussing marriage and children. So if you're keen to know more about this, I think today is going to be essential viewing when Gladys Berejiklian... Um, presents herself before ICAC, and whether you're a New South Wales political junkie or not, you'd probably find it interesting. Michael Gadinsky had 12 different drugs in his system when he died in March. It had been thought that the much-loved music promoter and record executive died of a heart attack, but yesterday... Uh, the Supreme Court of Victoria released his post-mortem results. Yeah, that's right. It shows that the 68-year-old died from a fatal cocktail of drugs, um, including cocaine and a long list of prescription and over-the-counter painkillers, including morphine and diazepam. Um, he did have a spinal injury, which does explain the painkillers. Um, the post-mortem found that he had cirrhosis of the liver and heart disease as well. It's another Freedom Day in Victoria with outdoor mask mandates and bans on regional travel ending tonight. So these uh, ease restrictions come into effect at 6pm and uh, it'll see thousands of Melbournians heading to the regions over the Melbourne Cup long weekend. 
Just in time. Mm. Shops and cinemas and entertainment venues and gyms, um, they will also be reopening. Um, capacity limits as well will be increased in pubs and restaurants. And this is as the state hits 80% fully vaccinated. Go Melbourne. And the story about the South African cricket star Quentin de Kock not taking a knee has taken another big twist. So on Tuesday, he missed a T20 World Cup game because he refused to take a knee in a stance against racism. Um, Now, in the lead-up to that game, Cricket South Africa had announced all players would be required to take the knee before the game, and he was the only player to say no to that decision. Now he's put out a statement apologising for not making the gesture. He said uh, the accusations that he was racist had hurt him because he actually comes from a mixed-race family. And because of that, black lives have always mattered to him. He felt that he didn't have to prove his stance on racism by making the gesture and that his rights were taken away when uh, the South African cricket body handed down that directive just hours before the match. Yeah, it did seem like um, it was probably not very well handled. This is according to Quentin de Kock anyway, who says that, you know, if there had been discussions about it um, prior to the match, at least they could have talked it over and, you know, all gotten on the same page. Um, but he did also make a point that he said, you know, when you're told to do this kind of stuff, if you're a racist person and you decide to take the knee, then that's just an empty gesture. You're looking good, but you're not acting right which, you know, I thought was a was an interesting point. Yeah, I think if the gestures forced on people through a mandate, it starts to reduce the power of its meaning. So now he says he wants to join his teammates again and he will take the knee if he's selected again. So that will be the next interesting development in this story to keep an eye on. All right, that is it for the headlines. If you like testing your briefing knowledge, if you're a big fan, then you'll nail the quiz. It's on Instagram every Friday. I'll be going up later today. Get involved right after this message, the Dave Chappelle Netflix story. Now to brief you on the Dave Chappelle Netflix controversy. It's a controversy that now involves Aussie comedian Hannah Gatsby. Matt Donnelly's with us. He's a senior entertainment and media writer at Variety. He's been covering the story. He got an interview with Ted Sarandos for Netflix. He even went to the walkout protest about the closer um, on the streets of LA. So Matt, thanks for joining us. Where did this all start? So I would probably say in early October, reviews for Dave Chappelle's Netflix original stand-up, The Closer, had begun to trickle out in entertainment press. And almost immediately, these reviews cited some of his more incendiary jokes, as they often do. You know, the news cycle around any kind of Chappelle project is sort of what is his most outlandish, like Mm. who's he going after now kind of thing. So within that, the sort of immediate thing that caught people's attention was a joke that Chappelle had told in reference to a rapper, an American rapper named DaBaby, who had recently sort of been, uh, I I hate to use the word (laughs) cancelled, but this rapper's comments about... um, the gay community, specifically in relation to HIV, uh, made a lot of people upset and caused uh, this performer to lose gigs, endorsements, and and sort of, you know, dominated a news cycle. And Chappelle, in his special, found it interesting um, and sort of made this correlation that, you know, in America, the sort of mob of social media, the taste police can ruin the career of a young rapper, but, you know, you, you can't ever hurt a gay person in America's feelings. So this was sort of the beginning of a sort of a through line of content in the special that angered the LGBTQ and trans communities, which got us to where we are today. So after that sort of started to leak out, um, the special went live on Netflix around the world. 
And then we discovered that there were, in fact, a lot more serious bits in his act about trans people that included sort of reinforcement of what we would call the gender binary, you know, the, the belief that they were either male or female and, and that a lot of trans um, activists and, and members of the trans community consider sort of damaging to a spectrum of gender. And then also just sort of sentiments about how the trans community in general has a thin skin um, and are way too easily offended. People that haven't seen The Closer, are you able to kind of just talk us through some of the key bits that elicited this reaction and talk us through where the most vocal critics of Chappelle's Closer are coming from. I would certainly say that uh, the most sort of incendiary bits that that he does in The Closer um, included, you know, a joke about the general temperament of of LGBTQ people and specifically the trans community, um, you know, calling them thin-skinned, saying they were too easily offended. Um, This sort of was the most serious, I think, accusation that, that that blew up because trans activists, including trans Netflix employees, who have been among the most vocal opponents of Chappelle, feel that it's not a matter of having a sense of humor. In their community, and there are statistics to back this up, trans people are, are incredibly vulnerable to fatalities. You know, a very high percentage of trans women, especially trans women of color, are murdered, murdered in hate crimes, murdered in um, sex crime, gone afoul. And, and you know, there, there's a ton of research out there and, um, and a lot of uh, sort of, you know, provable stories that display that this community is specifically vulnerable in that way. It was Chappelle framing the issue around trans lives being one of uh, lacking a sense of humor that sort of made the entire community irate because they are quite vulnerable to physical harm and to death. From there, activists and even GLAAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, which is a huge sort of amnesty group here in the U.S. um, that deals with how gay people and queer people are represented in mainstream media, also just spoke out against Chappelle and demanded Netflix take some sort of action against the special. And then I think the ball really started getting rolling when a uh, senior software engineer uh, employed in San Francisco for Netflix spoke out on a lengthy Twitter feed. Her name was Tara Field, basically talked about why... Chappelle's jokes were so particularly damaging. She really galvanized the community to organize. A walkout was planned. Several statements were made against Chappelle by various people in the community. And this is all compounded by the fact that Netflix's chief executive officer, Ted Sarandos, weighed in with several memos to his entire employment base that certainly made things worse. Were those staff members at Netflix calling on Sarandos to tank this special down or were they calling on him to have some other reaction or reconsider future shows or what were they actually asking for? And you actually went to the walkout. Tell us about that as well. As the news about the closer was sort of raging, you know, the discussion was being had about Chappelle and the trans community. Ted Sarandos wrote a series of memos one to the top 500 leaders in the company, one to the entire company, uh, because he had been hearing complaints from people who were offended. He had been hearing complaints from management, not knowing how to deal with upset employees. And Netflix is a place that prides itself on safe and equitable workplaces. So in his sort of language and in his sort of addressing Chappelle internally, he said a couple of things that, that got him in trouble to the point where, in fact, you know, I interviewed him a week after this all started and he admitted to me on the record that he'd screwed up. The first thing Ted Sarando said was that there's always going to be something on Netflix that people find to be harmful. Their strategy as a company that's even copyrighted is called Entertain the World. They have decided to invest billions of dollars in being a place that can acquire and make content for anyone and everyone that has an account. So it's a massively ambitious content strategy. And 
Taryn just went on to say that there's always going to be people with conflicting points of view. People are always going to have different senses of humor. But in fact, that Netflix stood by Dave Chappelle and they found that stand-up is a different kind of art form that needs its own protection, uh, that it's its own sort of creative expression. And that obviously upset a lot of Netflix employees who felt that, you know, stand-up wasn't necessarily an art form protected from having real-life consequences. Mm. Even more interesting, days after that, I reported in Variety that a wider memo to the entire company was sent by Sarandos where he said that ultimately he did not believe that any filmed content translates to real-world harm. Mm which really I just think uh, escalated this entire situation to a new stratosphere of debate. Because how long have we been having a conversation in culture about on-screen violence affecting the real world? You know, I think it's probably since mm-hmm. filmed entertainment has been distributed. We could go as far back to the Dark Knight shootings. There, there are countless examples, which I, I won't uh, <laughs> bore you with a laundry list of. Was it after that second memo that the walkout happened or how did those events pan out? Yes, after the second memo, I think a lot of people were were incensed and motivated to challenge Sarandos on that. So yes, from that memo, um, a walkout was planned on Netflix's headquarters on, on their grounds. And it attracted some of their creators, it attracted staff members, it attracted counter-protesters. And it was actually, I have to say, from being there on the ground, it was a pretty ugly affair. I was oh. really surprised by how contentious the issue actually is. One person told me that Dave Chappelle is an equal opportunity destroyer. True equity means that you have to be comfortable with uh, being the subject of his jokes. Matt, how does the Australian comedian Hannah Gatsby fit into all this? Because she is sort of now, I wouldn't say at the centre of it, but she's a key player here. Yeah, it's a great question. Again, that was uh, uh, another um, side effect of that fateful memo from Ted Sarandos, who, in trying to, I suppose, explain to all Netflix employees that there was a, a ton of content that the service has invested in that supports the LGBT community and and props up trans narratives and employs trans people, Sarandos gave a list, gave a list of content that sits right alongside with Dave Chappelle's The Closer that has the opposite effect. And he pointed to, you know, shows with queer themes. And and then, of course, he pointed to stand-up comedy, original stand-up comedy that Netflix produced uh, starring Hannah Gatsby. It was an interesting move because Mm. I, I, I could not imagine how he would expect that to be received, especially because Hannah's entire shtick, her sort of entire mission statement in her work is that comedy is actually quite damaging and deteriorating to the soul, especially when it's in a self-deprecating or hateful way. You know, that was the entire premise of Nanette, that, you know, mm, that yeah. she had to find a way to love herself through her stand-up again. So predictably, it did not go down well with Hannah, as it should not have. So Hannah took to her Instagram account and, and posted a really blunt and beautifully profane <laughs> <laughs> message to, to Ted saying, you know, leave me out of this. You don't pay me enough to deal with all the hate speech that I get whenever Chappelle gets up and says something like this about the queer community. And rightfully so. I think it was a really ill-informed moment of tokenism on an executive's behalf to pull in a comedian who stands for such wildly different values and artistic values than Dave Chappelle. Yeah, for people who haven't read um, Hannah Gadsby's statement, I mean, there's some Real zingers in there. She said, F you and your amoral algorithm cult. I do shits that have more backbone than you. So there's a, there's a taste of it. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry, if Hannah wasn't an Australian treasure before, I hope she is now. <laughs> so Matt, where are we at now? Because Dave Chappelle has responded to this controversy. He named Hannah Gatsby in his response as well. Where are things at and where do they go from here? <laughs> 
As of now, Chappelle is touring international markets as makeup dates for shows he canceled for COVID. So he's on the road in Europe and, and around the world. He is still engaged in a multi-year, multi-million dollar uh, exclusive overall deal with Netflix to produce comedy specials. And given Ted Sarandos's staunch defense of him, we can imagine that they will continue to honor that deal and produce comedy. Shave is pushing forward, as I think you would kind of expect him to do. Uh, and then Netflix is now going to have to figure out what they're open to doing in terms of, of making new content with him. Do you think Netflix would ever dump Chappelle? And if they did, would another platform pick him up? I don't know that Netflix would dump Chappelle because now he's become so symbolic of what they've called this quest to preserve artistic freedom, but still entertain the world and protect their employees. I think he's, it's it's way too mired in so much of their corporate identity and, and there's just too much riding on it. But in terms of another streaming platform picking him up, I, I just don't see how that would be advisable. Perhaps on a special by special basis, but inviting him in and giving him a home to produce and giving him tens of millions of dollars, I, I can't see it. That was Matt Donnelly, Senior Entertainment and Media Writer at Variety in California. Yeah, clearly this hit a real nerve for Hannah Gadsby, especially when you think about what was really behind her work, Nanette. I will say the publicity does come at a good time for her because she's just announced that her massive global tour, her new show, Body of Work, will kick off in a few weeks. I think the one thing that people aren't talking about enough, or they might talk about a little bit more in the future is the role of big corporations. Netflix is not your friend. It was never <laughs> your friend. It's a company. It's out here to make money. I think the sooner we we see that about companies, the better. Thank you, Jan. Um, that is it for your Monday to Friday briefing. Um, Jamila will be in your feed tomorrow with the weekend briefing. Jamila, who are you talking to this time? This weekend, I am chatting to Steph Claire Smith, who is, of course, a model, influencer, and incredible business entrepreneur. She is one of the co-founders of Keep It Cleaner and her workouts, her cookbooks, her products are in supermarket stores. Honestly, she and mate Laura Henshaw are building an empire. She's also a new mum, so we get into entrepreneurship, but we also talk about parenthood and the pressures that the modelling and fitness industries put on young women. Steph Claire Smith on The Briefing. She really is an entrepreneurial and a, a social media force. Um, that'll be a great interview. Um, big thank you to the hardworking briefing team, executive producer Dan Mullins, um, news producers Liam Kennedy and Brooke Lauthner, social media producer Emily Lodge and Matt Kuzkuri doing all the wonderful editing. Hope you have an amazing weekend. Look forward to speaking to you Monday. Listener.